everybody. Welcome back to another week of Women to Watch here on WWDB AM 860. My name is Susan Rocco, and I get to be here every week with some wonderful women from the Philadelphia area, uh, as well as across the country, who are happy to come in and share their stories with us. And we're going to have some fun in here today. I'm thrilled to have a woman uh, who i come to know recently, and she's kind of shaking things up out there uh, in Philadelphia. And her name is Mary Fran Bontempo. And Mary Fran is speaker, writer, and author of Not Ready for Granny Panties. Welcome to the studio. Thank you so much. I'm so delighted to be here. Um, before we get into your book and and your blog and some of the things that are, are more business-related, um, I'd love to talk a little bit about you and your growing up years in, in the Northeast and Philly your school girl, years. born yes. and bred. Philly girl, <laughs> yep. Um, you know, I had a very typical, for Philadelphia anyway, growing up. I, um, I was raised in Northeast Philly, did the whole Catholic school thing for, you know, um, all through grade school, all through high school, and then went to LaSalle, so Catholic college as well. Um, and I, you know, settled in after I got married, um, my husband's a, uh, also a Northeast Philly guy. So okay. he went to Ryan, mm-hmm. um, high school and, um, got married and we settled in Bucks County and, um, married 32 years, three kids, two dogs, you know, pretty <laughs> typical, pretty typical for, for the area, um, vacations at the Jersey shore, you know, all that good stuff. So, right. So yeah, a fairly a fairly typical representative Northeast Philly girl. Right. Well, you know what you're, you're saying it, it's typical, and, and speaking of it, like it's no big deal. But you've accomplished a lot in 32 years. I guess so. But I, you know, and we'll I guess we'll get to this too. We yeah. women don't think about ourselves in terms of accomplishments most of the time. No, we do not. We think about the things that we didn't do or should have done, and all that other kind of stuff. Exactly. But, but yeah, and I I think that's a good point. We yeah. have to recognize that sometimes normal is a very good accomplishment. That's right. That's exactly right. Tell me about your family, mom and dad, and, and any siblings that you might have. Um, my parents um, were both, again, local, uh, fairly local people. My dad grew up in Delaware County. My mom's a South Philly girl, South Philly Italian. You know, we okay. always go back to the regional neighborhood kind of stuff. A lot of her family's still in South Philly. Um, so I spent a lot of time growing up in South Philly. In the um, Italian market, in the in the Italian market, Good. and with with a crazy loud Italian family, very close Italian family, which was wonderful. And it's really funny too because I clearly your viewers, I mean your listeners can't see this, but I don't look anything. No, not at all. I do not look <laughs> any part Italian, and yet I am half Italian. Um, my dad's German, so that's where that I guess where that stuff comes in. But um, and and they married uh, fairly young, as everybody did back then. And mm-hmm. um, four kids. I grew up with. Uh, I'm the oldest of four. Okay. Um, my sister's a year younger than me, a year minus a day younger than me, and then two younger brothers. Okay. Yeah. And uh, tell me, where did you go to grade school? St. Matt's. St. Matt's. St. Matt's. Okay. Yes. And what kind of kid were you then, back in oh grade school? Oh my gosh, I was I was awkward and nerdy and uncomfortable like pretty much all the time <laughs> like every other grade like every school other kid grade. exactly i mean i was i i was a smart kid i mean i did well in school let's put it that way i did well in school so you know that wasn't cool when we were growing up it wasn't cool to be the smart kid you right. know um so consequently i was i was awkward and shy and 
just didn't just really not a comfortable kid. I didn't play sports. I was much more comfortable reading books. Mm-hmm. So I was a nerd. I, I was really nerdy. Did you know? I find that hard to believe. Looking oh, at I was. You, but I anyway, was really, really, <laughs> really. I have some school pictures that would. <laughs> I mean, would rival any Halloween mask well, out there. Well, send me seriously. one. We'll put that oh, right up on Facebook. Oh, no, no, no. I think I burned them after I took them home that day. Oh, they were awful. Um, did you, I'm curious to know if you knew back at that young of an age um, that you enjoyed writing, because I know that's a big part of what you do. I did. I did. I always loved writing. It was... Um, you know, for somebody who is shy, and I think a lot of writers are shy, they're not comfortable people um, talking to people directly. But, boy, put us behind a computer and let it rip. Well, at the time, you know, it was a it was a notepad. Throw right. A, there right. were no computers. Or typewriter. Yeah, right. yeah, there were no, I mean, or Morse code or smoke right. signals or whatever, you know. <laughs> Shorthand. Yeah, exactly. Shorthand. Whatever, you know, whatever you used back then. I mean, back when I was growing up, it was smoke signals and tom-toms. No. Right. Um <laughs> Um, She's not that old. I'm not that old, not quite. But uh, it was it was a way to communicate that wasn't direct enough that I felt people were judging me. It was a step back where you can put out there what you think, and then you kind of you you push it away. You let people see it, but you don't have to watch their reaction to right, you reading right. their your stuff. Right. So there's a bit of distance involved, and and that's a safe place for people who. Are shy and right. and writers. A lot of writers are shy, right? And, and that's it's a it's a safe way to communicate, right? And it's an opportunity to express feelings that you have it without is. seeing that immediate judgment. It is, yeah. of course. The danger of that is too, and I found this out many times since I started writing and writing for newspapers and on the internet and all that is that if you like to write and and you're comfortable with it, sometimes your filter comes off and you you write things and you say <laughs> things and somebody will come up to you and go, oh. It was so funny you said that. And I went, oh, my God, I can't believe I wrote that. I can't believe I actually put that out there. So you do have to balance it a little bit. But generally, it's a safe way to communicate what right. you think. You know? Right. So so talk to me about your, your high school years. Then you left St. Matt's and you went to? Left St. Matt's and went to St. Hubert's. St. Hubert's. Um, you know, the Catholic school, the mm-hmm. natural progression. That was our neighborhood Catholic high school. That's where the Catholic kids went. All of Unless my cousins. You, yes, yes. Yes. Right. We talked about that mm-hmm. at one point. Um, yeah. The... Um, the public school was Lincoln in my neighborhood, so we were Catholics and publics. It was like the North and South, you know, like you were you were a public or you were a Catholic kid, which was very weird. But it was a very, um, at least for us, it was kind of a very natural segregation. I hate to even use that word, but we didn't really hang out with public school kids much. We just, the Catholic schools back in that day were so huge, as right. you well know. Right. I mean, my um, my senior class at St. Hubert's had like 650 girls in wow. it. The senior class, one class. Yeah, that's big. It was big. So, um, yeah, I went to I went to Catholic high school, and um, I I was in plays. I wrote for the newspaper. I was in plays. I sing too. So I did a lot of musicals and stuff like that, which was also a, a nice way to communicate. You know, we were we were talking before the interview started with your. Your intern, Lauren, Lauren lovely, lovely young over lady there. <laughs> who um, goes to school at the University of the Arts. Is that right? Um, but when I did plays and all that in high school, that's another safe outlet. It's it's kind of an odd thing because when you're shy, sometimes the easiest thing to do is get up in front of a lot of people on a stage because you're not looking directly in any one person's eyes. Right. That's you, so interesting to me because my view of all the wonderful um, – 
actors and, and actresses that were in theater when I was in high school was how confident and brave they were. You would think. You would think. But, you know, it's funny. There was a really interesting article. And it, it actually it, it actually makes me feel a little less crazy, which is always a help because I need a lot of help in that department. <laughs> um, but I read an article, I think it was the New York Times, about Chris Rock. Who now? I mean, Chris Rock. You, you know what he's like on stage. And he's funny. He's, he's funny, so but funny. he's so out there and and profane and all this stuff. Right. He is incredibly shy. Yeah. You, you do hear that a lot from he's from comedians. Incredibly shy. Yeah. His. In fact, his wife was quoted in the article and said, "If we're at a dinner party, you want to sit next to me. You don't want to sit next to him <laughs> because he's shy. He's uncomfortable talking one on one. Right. Whereas you know, you get up there and you do your thing on stage or at a computer or wherever." And there's a, enough of a distance that you are confident. Right, right. But but put us, at least me, and I think, again, a lot of other artistic types, you put us one-on-one and it's like, oh, my God, don't make me talk to one person. Right. <laughs> Give me 500. I'm petrified. I can't talk to one person. Give me a whole bunch. Well, you know, that, that gets into the topic of, we talk a lot in here about the difference between confidence and self-esteem. Yes. And oh I gosh. had a guest, I'll never forget, she's wonderful, uh, Shannon Cassidy, um, who is a motivational speaker. Mm-hmm. And she talked a lot about, uh, she used the word imposters. There's yes. a, and, and women especially fall oh into gosh. this. They're, they're walking around and they're, they're um, doing all kinds of wonderful and great things and putting themselves out there. That's confidence. But inside, they're constantly doubting their abilities. Mm-hmm. And I, I think we're always waiting for somebody to figure out that we're a fake. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. I'm just, I'm just faking this. Oh, my God. I hope they don't figure that out. <laughs> but there is a very real difference. And I, and I think that confidence can be put on. Mm-hmm. You can fake confidence, mm-hmm. but when that voice in your head, which is the most unfortunately powerful voice that all of us hear, is, is the self-esteem one, and that is much harder to quiet. That little voice inside your head, it's easier to quiet a thousand other people than it is that voice inside your head. But right. there's a very real difference, and I think you're, you're absolutely right, between self-esteem and confidence. Yes, there is. When you were growing up, in high school years especially, I think, are, are tough for girls were you know, we're growing up trying, you know, and people are saying you need to figure out what you're going to do for the rest of your life. I still haven't figured that. Right. We're (laughs) still, we're still still figuring it out. (laughs) And so is everyone else, by the way. Um, Were there any mentors in your life, anyone who was trying to help you um, to, to step out of the, the role you thought you were supposed to play and, and use the gifts that you have? Well, you know, there were always, I mean, I, first of all, my degree in, in school is in education, is in secondary education and English and communications. So that world was always where I was most comfortable. So there were a number of teachers um, during that time who who really steered me towards recognizing that that was my gift, that writing was my gift. Now, unfortunately, um, back when we were growing up, uh, that wasn't necessarily a viable career option. Usually it was you were either, if you didn't go to college, you were a secretary or you were a nurse mm-hmm. or you were steered towards being a teacher or maybe going to law school. It was kind of those were the big four sort of things that women did at that time. Right. So I never really thought about writing in and of itself as being a viable career option, which was why I went into education. Um, that being said, I never taught full time. I taught, I, I went into different communication. I mean, talk about, talk about jack of all trades, master of none. I worked at an advertising agency. My husband and I have a, have a staffing company. I managed that. I was mm-hmm. a substitute teacher at my children's schools. So it wasn't 
as much as I realized that was my gift, writing, it really wasn't until about 10 years ago, I would say, that I thought, you know what? I am going to, this is what I love to do. Right, I'm going to right. make something out of this. I'm going to make this my career. Right. Well, I think it's wonderful that you were always searching. You were always trying different things. And that's the positive to, um, you know, perhaps not staying in one career for your entire life and knowing, which is such a small percentage of people that do that. It is. So when you're trying a lot of different things, you're learning with every job. That's true. And I think that we have to recognize as women, as people in general, that you know, this is this whole thing that we're on. This life is a journey. It's not about one phase. And every part of the piece of the puzzle, it, it adds to it. It That's adds right. to that big picture. And if you can get out of your own head long enough to pull back mm-hmm. and look at all of those experiences, you can realize that there's something in every single one of them right. that, that brought you to the point that you're at. Right. Good, bad, or indifferent. There right. was something about it. That's right. Um, so it, it helps to look at it, I think, that way, especially right. when you feel like, oh, my God, why did it take me till I was in my late 40s to figure out what I wanted to do? <laughs> um, so if you can look back at all those experiences and say, well, you know what, it, it might not have been, I might not have been that person who knew from when I was, you know, 15 what I wanted to be. Um, but all of these things have added to the bringing me to the point where I'm at now. That's right. That's and, right. and that's all we really have. And that's right. And so, we're only halfway. That's it. Yay! <laughs> Thank God. There's a lot of talk about how yeah. old we are. Yeah, I, exactly. I like halfway better than I like halfway middle too. aged. Yeah, I, like I don't half- like that term. Yeah, I always say I always say middle ground because middle ground is a little less negative the connotations yes. you know middle ground is an okay place to be in most in most right. uh, you know venues right so i always go with middle ground yeah. but yes yeah i middle aged doesn't seem to apply because i don't know when we were kids middle aged was old really middle old. age was old <laughs> yeah i remember my mom like when she was I guess when she was in her 40s and still really attractive and everything. and But thinking about how old she was. And now I'm going, geez, I wish I was in my 40s. Right. <laughs> right. Can I get that back? It's younger and younger every day. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So middle ground's not such a bad place yeah. to be. Now, uh, let's, talk, let's move forward a little bit to your college years. And I'm assuming by the time you got to college, your perspective on, on yourself and what you were going to do changed a little bit. What types of things were you involved in in college? Well, I I was tutoring a lot. I was doing a lot of, um, you know, work with teaching and whatnot um, and and still doing plays um, because I loved that. I I love, it terrifies me, and this is a weird thing, it terrifies me, but I love performing. I don't know how how that works, but I think that's true of a lot of, a lot of performers and this, you know, I'm a pop, pop culture junkie. I know Cher has terrible stage fright. Does she? No, I never knew that. Terrible, terrible stage fright. Wow. Cher. I wow. mean, you know, it's these people that you look at them and think, I mean, that black outfit with the fit. I mean, how do you have stage <laughs> that fright? That takes a lot of guts, doesn't like it? <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, all of those people. Um, so for me, I guess what it comes down to is it's always been through high school and college and all those things. Uh, I loved teaching, but I also loved performing. So, you know, kind of combining a bunch of different things, which I think is the beauty of life these days, too. You can combine a lot of different mm-hmm. things. You can. And you don't have to necessarily pick a path. You can do all sorts of different things. And that's wonderful. Yeah. And I think technology has a, a huge um, 
that's one of the reasons, just because we have access to so many different things. You're not necessarily put in an office and working on one task. Right. Um, you constantly have the opportunity to connect and, and, uh, and, and collaborate. Right. There's yes. lots of ways to collaborate. Um, yeah. yeah. And of that technology. is the beauty of it. I mean, just in terms of even I mean, the way you and I met each other was was on LinkedIn or something like, you know, one of those technology right, um, right. sites. So the opportunities for people to connect are, um, are are just wonderful. And and it it feeds you as a person and it feeds your creativity mm-hmm. and it feeds your professional life and all those kinds of things. And it encourages us to not do one thing. Right. Because you meet all these different people who are doing really cool things and interesting things, and you think, well, maybe I could do that this way with right. what I'm doing. That's right. And it's just such a wonderful time to be able to, you know, to be a woman and to just decide what kinds of things you want to try next. Right. What right. comes next? What comes next? Yeah. Um, okay. Let's talk a little bit about your family now. How did you meet your husband? <laughs> My husband and I met when I worked, and here we go again, I'm a dating myself, when we both worked at Gimbel's. Remember ah, Gimbel's, Gimbel's Department yes. Store? Gimbel's. I haven't heard that word in a hundred years. Well, how long has Gimbel? Well, it used to be, you know, we talk about the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. It used to be the Gimbel's Parade. It right. was Gimbel's. Now, that was, was Gimbel's big... in Center City or Northeast? They were in They were in Center City okay. and in the Northeast. It was a big chain. It, right. was, it right. was the Macy's of, of this area, right. you know, right. way back when. But um, we both worked in Gimbel's. Um, he was pretty much running the place behind the scenes, and I worked in the personnel office. Okay. And um, we, it really was, I mean, you, you hear these goofy stories about, oh, you know, you just looked at the person and you knew. And, and it really was kind of one of those, we sort of looked at each other and thought, eh, something's going on here. I don't know what it is. And 32 <laughs> years later, here we go. 32 years since that point, we've been together ever since. Okay. Yeah, I was so, 17 and he was 19. That's how young oh, we were. Oh, that's young. We were young. That's young. We were very young. And did you start a family right away or did you wait a couple of years? Um, we waited a few years. We started a business, uh, our, our, which we still have, a mm-hmm. staffing company, uh, the Bontempo Group, and we've been doing that forever. And um, then, you know, the apartment first and then the house and then the baby, you know, the typical progression that yeah. was kind of the norm back then. Yeah. What um, what industry do you focus on with your staffing company? Well, I mean, we're at this point in the game, we're kind of generalists because with the economy the way it was, we, we almost had to be. Uh, of course, technology is a big thing. We do a lot of we do a lot of things in this weird space called supply chain, which is the stuff that you never think about. That's a major now, I understand. Yes, yes it's you the can stuff actually that major. You never and, think about yes. how stuff gets to your door. Yes, and it's called supply chain. Yes. and um, we do a lot of stuff, a, a lot of things within that industry because it's huge. You, it's it's that unseen thing where you know there's the guy who runs the the belt, who does the technology, who does the. It's just really, really an intense space, yeah. as they call it. Yeah. Well, no, a friend of mine recently, I said, what is your son majoring in? And she said, supply, supply chain. chain. And you're going, and said, what? what is yeah, that? What does that mean? Yeah. So that's one of those, um, one of those weird areas that I think has always been in existence, but of course it now has a name. You know, right. That, so that and the IT stuff, all of that, all of that stuff. We yeah. do all those kinds of things. And is it, and is it the two of you or do you have employees? Well, we, we used to have offices with tons and tons of people, but now we kind of have virtual employees. We have our offices, just the two of us directly, but we have all sorts of associates that depending on what projects we're working on, okay. we, we work with other people. Okay, great. Yeah. We're going to take a short break. And when we come back, we're going to continue with Mary Fran Bontempo.
Want your home to look great for company from out of town? Moving to a new place? Or just want the satisfaction of a clean, healthy home? Whatever your reason, everybody needs to clean. So why not choose the line of cleaning tools that makes your task easier? Quickie is your one-stop cleaning solution with everything you need to get the job done right. Whether you're cleaning one room or the whole house, Quickie has the right tool for the job. It doesn't matter if you prefer a more traditional mop and bucket or if you'd like to save time with a new Quickie spray mop. Quickie has everything you need to get the job done. Founded in Philadelphia over 60 years ago, Quickie's commitment to quality and value have helped it grow to the number one cleaning tool in America. It's Quickie and it's clean. Look for Quickie products at Home Depot, Lowe's, Walmart, ShopRite, and other fine retailers near you. At Blue Bell Physical Therapy, our goal is to get you back in the game, back to work, and back to your normal way of life. Our highly respected team provides preventative and rehabilitation services from everyday physical and occupational therapy to post-operative rehab of your knees, shoulders, or spine. Blue Bell Physical Therapy focuses on achieving each patient's maximum level of recovery. Blue Bell Physical Therapy, the treatment you need from the therapist you trust. Welcome back, everyone, to Women to Watch here on WWDB AM 860. We are in the studio today with the lovely Mary Fran Bontempo. And uh, Mary Fran is a speaker and a writer and an author of Not Ready for Granny Panties, which is all about uh, Mary Fran's views about the modern day woman and uh, some of the challenges we face and, and some of the funny things that happen along the way. Um, I wanted to get right into the book. I, I actually had an opportunity to sit down and read it yesterday, which was a lovely break for me good, in good the middle job. of a work day. And um, I, the first question I wanted to ask you was, uh, you talked a lot about your need to control things oh, in life. Gosh. And I'm wondering where you think that that oh. came from. We all, we all know now that we can't control everything, but there's a lot of women who try very hard to do so. Absolutely. And that, as you said, that's one of the commandments. The book, the book has 11 commandments right. that I, that I, kind of put out there for women to sort of tweak their lives, right. to just kind of let go and recognize, again, you can't control everything. And one of the, the commandments is thou shalt lose control. Right. Because let's face it, we don't have control. Right. I mean, when is the last time that any one of us ever planned a day out and everything happened exactly the way we wanted it to? Right. Never. It, it, just, it just never happens. Right. It never happens. But I think, uh, well, first of all, my father, <laughs> my father was... Is was German. My father was German. Very strict, very rigid. Um, you know, we had rules. We followed the rules. We did what we were supposed to do. And and I think, honestly, that his attempt to control everything came out of fear. And I think that that's what happens with a lot of us, with a lot of women. The attempt to control things is based on fear, especially if you're a mom. When they put that baby in your arms... And you recognize that you're responsible for that child. Oh, my God. Like, why didn't somebody tell me? Yes, exactly. Why didn't somebody tell me that terror was going to be one of the first things I was going to feel? You know, never mind. the love and the overwhelming? Blah, blah, blah. My first reaction was, oh, oh, my God. So 
naturally, because you have this little baby, you try to control everything to keep that child safe. And then I think it just spirals, you know, especially if you have more kids and, and life gets more complicated. You're trying to control everything. By by nature of the act of motherhood, when you're in charge of the household, you have to do that to a certain point or anarchy would reign. Exactly. The inmates right. would be running the asylum. Right. We have to be somewhat organized. Right. So somebody has to be in charge. And that's Fine. It's fine to recognize that, okay, if we have, you know, soccer practice, piano lessons and tests to study for, that we have to have a schedule and do it this time, this time and this time, or at least make that attempt. The problem, I think, comes when we try to control everything. We try to control how the future is going to work out. We try to control how our jobs are going to work out. We try to control Everything about what our lives. will happen the with most, our children. Exactly, exactly. And I certainly am. I, I certainly know that that is that is not in the cards. You can lay the best plan, and it's not going to work for whatever reason, or some variable is going to come up and change it in one way or another. Right. And the point is, it's okay to plan, but it's more important to be flexible and to recognize that the only thing that you're going to do by trying to control everything is drive yourself insane. Because it's just not going to happen. And those around you. Yes. Oh, gosh, yeah. And my husband (laughs) and kids would be. I mean, I was so neurotic about when we would go to Disney World, when we would go on vacation, I had lists. I mean, I would I would weeks ahead of time, I'd have the books out and we were going to go to this ride first. And we were going to stand in this line because the book said that it was the least, you know, least crowded line. And then we were going to do this. And at this time. You know, it was that's like, exhausting. It was exhausting. And that's the other thing that happens when you try to control everything. You're so tired that you have no energy left for the fun stuff. Right, right. So thou shalt lose control is a really important thing for women to remember. Yeah. You, forget about it. It's not going to happen. Yeah. I, I'd love to go through each commandment because I think you had something really poignant to say about each one. And I know it relates to all of us. Yes. And, and to so. men too. Yes. Um. And the first one is forget about Thou it. Thou shalt forget about forget it. About forget it. about it. As I said, <laughs> I, I spent a lot of time in South Philly and before the Sopranos, God rest James Gandolfini's soul. Um, that's another, you know, little Catholic How thing. Ironic. God rest I know his soul. That you, you that mentioned I, put, him I started in the book. I started the book out saying Tony Soprano was no dope because one of his big things was, hey, forget about it. Right. And we would do well to forget about things. I mean, as we women age, Mother Nature helps us along with that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, how many times do you walk into a room and go, wait a minute, what am I, what am I in here for? <laughs> um, so that happens naturally. But if you intentionally forget about things, right. things that are not moving you forward in life, old stuff that's just taken up space in your head, if you intentionally forget about those things and put them aside, you open up so much more space mm-hmm. in your own head and your own life mm-hmm. for wonderful things. Right. And I think you speak to the, it's, it's more about forgetting about the things that, um, other people are doing, what's going on around you, who cares? Yes, exactly. Um, You know, things that matter to us are not something necessarily you need to forget about, but stop worrying about really what everyone else around you is doing that doesn't affect you. And what everybody thinks about you. Forget about it. Who cares? Who cares? (laughs) It's not going to move you forward. What somebody, if someone else doesn't like your plan, unless that's the person who can move you forward, Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter what they think. That's right. It doesn't matter. So forget about it. Okay. Here's one of my favorite chapters um, because it relates to men, the men we love, Mm. and that is to ignore. And something they do very well 
And we don't talk about the example you gave in the book about the child. Ignore more. And I talk about this commandment came out of watching my husband around my children when chaos and bedlam would be breaking loose all over the house, screaming, commotion, and he would be sitting at the kitchen table reading the paper. And (laughs) And nothing would dissuade him from that. I mean, there would somebody would call on the phone from one of the kids, and they would want to go to someone's house. And instead of asking Dad, who's who, right they, there, who's right there, Mom, Mom, they'd run through the house screaming. You know, the the dogs barking. Everything is going on, and he was just ignoring everything. Right. And one day, I kind of called him on it, and he said, <laughs> "He said I'm using the Sergeant Schultz rule." The Sergeant Schultz, if you remember Hogan's Heroes, I here do. I am again dating myself. Lauren probably has never Doesn't heard of know, it. but never heard of Hogan's Heroes. But it was a TV show back in the, I guess, 60s um, with with this misfit group of, of prisoners of war who were in this German concentration camp. And they were pretty much running the show. And Sergeant Schultz was this one guy who was supposed to be in charge of them who knew something was going on. But his standard line was, I see nothing. I know nothing. <laughs> he, That's right. He ignored everything that was going on around him. Right. He was probably the most peaceful person in the whole place because he just ignored what was because happening. Because then he didn't have to he be didn't involved. To involved. He didn't yeah. have to get involved. That was my husband's MO. I'm just going to ignore it because the, the chances are whatever I tell him, you're going to correct it anyway. You're going to change whatever I say. So I just ignore it. And I thought to myself, you know what? I envy him. I envy that. So this is about selectively ignoring things and sometimes ignoring our kids, which is really hard for us moms to do. But as they get older, we have to learn to ignore them or we're going to be doing everything for them for that's the rest right, of their lives. Right. And right. That's, that's um, you know, a case where you're, you're ignoring a situation that you know they can figure it out. Exactly. They really don't need you in that moment. Exactly. And, you know, all of these commandments, it's all very funny and it's all tongue in cheek, but everything, there's a message there in right. every one of them. That's right. That is about tweaking your life to not only help you, but to empower your family and your kids and the people around you to let them recognize their own power. That's you right. can do this. You don't need me to do this. That's right. Figure it out. That's right. And you can ignore it. Well, right. you're not really ignoring it. You're always, we were moms. Mm-hmm. Let's be serious. You're we're just, always you're a not little controlling tuned it. In. You're exactly. ignoring in order to not control exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah. That's, yep. that's a big problem, I think, for, for our generation with our kids and yes. our families. Absolutely. Um, the next one is lose control. Yep. Yep. And we did, we talked about that a, a few minutes ago where losing the need to control everything is is very freeing. And if you really think about it, it makes perfect sense because we aren't in control. Mm-hmm. We can make a plan, but ultimately, unless you're living on a desert island somewhere mm-hmm. by yourself, um, you're, you're not going to control everything because there are variables in everyone's life yeah. that, that are going to change your plan. Right. So make your plan, but lose control of the need to control your plan. Right. And don't you think a lot of what we're talking about and what we're going to continue to talk about um, these are all emotions that kind of come to the surface and you really have to make a choice yes. to not to not do these things that we're talking about yes. because we're human and by nature um, we're affected by things that go on around us. So the more we talk about it, the more aware we are, the more we make that choice. Yes. And when you do that, all of a sudden it's... It's very it freeing. It is freeing. It's it very, is very, very freeing. freeing. And, and, you know, let's be serious. We're not going to do this all the time. You're not going to... You're not going to make that choice all the time. No, it's that's just right. Some, some of this stuff is so ingrained in us and it's so instinctive that we just, we, you know, it's that knee-jerk reaction. Right. That's it's what right. you do. Right. But if but you we can, can at least be aware, mm-hmm. right, if you can raise your level of awareness to see, you know, 
certain things that I'm doing are making me nuts. And yeah. <laughs> maybe by tweaking things a little bit and, and letting go of things right. and losing control of things, it makes life more pleasant. Right. And it should be pleasant. It should, we should be. be having fun. Right. And most of us aren't. Right. Um, and this next one, do the wrong thing, I think is very, thing. means a lot to you and I, again, yes. having gone through Catholic school for 16 years 16. and yep. told to do the right thing day after day after day. Yep. Do Talk, the wrong thing. Do the wrong Every thing. Every once what in a while, do you? the wrong thing. Well, it's funny. Uh, the, one of the examples that I use in the book is um, a friend of mine and I were, we were moaning and groaning about something one day. We happened to be down the shore and she said to me, I think we should get tattoos. <laughs> I mean, this was two years That's ago. That's really extreme, it going extreme. from nothing to it getting a extreme, tattoo. But it was a henna tattoo. So oh, it, was, it wasn't, you know, we weren't, we weren't inking up permanently. Yes. <laughs> so it was a henna tattoo, but we did. And first of all, that in and of itself, because we were in our 50s. I mean, really, we're, you're 50 years old. What are you doing? But it was so fun because right. it was the wrong thing, quote unquote. You know, According to your children. Typical, my daughter, when she saw that bandage on my leg she practically her head practically popped off oh my god oh my god what is that what is that i said to her uh oh it's a it's a dog bite yeah i was bitten by a dog she said that's not a dog bite you got a tattoo and honestly that reaction alone was worth it it was just so worth it to get that reaction from my daughter um but there again it's about freeing yourself from these preconceived notions not only that you hold but that everybody else holds about who you are and what you're supposed to do that's right don't do it or do something different or do something completely unexpected and it is exhilarating yeah. to do the wrong thing yeah. and for a lot of us this is the other big thing for a lot of women doing the wrong thing is saying no that's right because we're also used to being nice girls. We have to be nice. We have to do the right thing. We have mm-hmm. to do what everybody thinks we're supposed to do. Sometimes you just have to go, you know, no, I'm sorry. Not no, feeling like can't that do today. it. Not feeling it. Not, no. not going to do it. <laughs> and <laughs> that's very freeing. It. it is. Yeah. It's very freeing. And again, then you have to go back to, you know, ignoring more and forget about what people might think when you make that decision to, right. to do the wrong thing. But that's what this is all about. It's about allowing your own um, idea of who you want to be to take over and not be so influenced by everybody else's perceptions and your own perceptions of what you're supposed to be. That's right. That's right. And, you know, it's a shame that a lot of this that we're, that we're getting, you know, at I'm still in my 40s. But oh, I'm, yay, <laughs> you. Oh, yay. Not I'm by not. The, by the skin of my... <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> but that it takes that long. And, I, you know, we I really want for the younger generation of young girls to realize that sooner that they really it really is okay to 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 be who they are and not try to mimic everyone around them yes um it's a hard thing to get it is i I think more than ever in this in this environment there are more options available to them there's more um you know more choices and Mm -hmm. that can be overwhelming but if you if you recognize that it's also an opportunity to make your own space make Mm -hmm. your own place in the world I mean, and again, as we as we talked with Lauren about the art school and things like that before, you have to pay the bills, you and, do. and you don't always get to do what your passion is um, to, as as your work in terms of feeding yourself. But there is a place for those things in your life, and you have to find that place, and you have to hold on to that to to not lose your mind, quite mm-hmm. frankly, because life is not easy. Yeah, and unless you hold on to those things and make a place for them in your life. Um, you're going to live a very sad life. Right. We're not supposed to do that. No, we're not. Um, 
the next commandment, scare thyself. Scare thyself. That's one of my favorites. What kinds favorites. of things can we do to scare That's one ourselves? of my favorites. Well, first of all, the, the main thing that I say all women should do is sing karaoke. <laughs> I've done that. All women, <laughs> everybody, in fact, should Against sing karaoke. My, yes. Your better judgment, right? <laughs> and the reason is because at some point, every woman on the planet has been held back by the fear of looking foolish. Right. Every single one of us. You're mm-hmm. so afraid that you're going to look stupid, mm-hmm. that you don't take risks and you don't try things that are really fun. Mm-hmm. And singing karaoke, even if you do it very badly, is fun. <laughs> and once you do that and you realize that you can look stupid and nothing's going to happen, you're not going to die, again, it's about liberating yourself from all these preconceived things. So do that, but also do other things. Like I took up kayaking a couple of years ago. Try try a sport. Take up rollerblading. You know, to just do something that scares you. And remember that place that you were when you were a kid. Right. When roller coasters were fun and mm-hmm. scary movies were fun. I mean, we loved that. We loved that. Right. When we were Who kids. says we have to stop? Exactly. I love scary movies. Yeah. I, I, I love scary I movies. Love and and <laughs> I love to be scared because it hooks me into feeling alive. Yeah. It's There's something about fear yes. that makes you feel yes. alive. A controlled fear. I mean, you don't right. want to go on a terror spree of your own. <laughs> but controlled fear is right. a good thing. Right. You know, and that takes us into the next commandment, which is regress. Yep. Because yeah. that's, uh, you know, allowing us to go back to the things that were joyful when we were young. Why Absolutely. can't we continue to do that? Absolutely. I loved playing with my kids. I loved it. I loved chalk. I loved bubbles. I loved silly putty. I loved the 64 box of Crayola crayons. Oh, be still my heart. That was the best thing, the 64 box of Crayola, because it was possibility. It was creativity, which lends leads to possibility and fun. And fun is is such a part of us, and it's a part that we need to nurture. Mm -hmm. And going back sometimes to the things that we loved gets us right in there. Right. And not only that, it takes us, you know, so much of what we do today is reality. All those things that you just mentioned um, are, you know, it allows you to be, use your imagination. Yes. And using your imagination is we should another all, great, We should great all have feeling. bubbles. Yes. We should all have a, a pack of bubbles on our desks and just blow <laughs> bubbles and just watch them I think like we should blow them into the faces of the people that... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the people are telling us that we shouldn't be blowing bubbles. Right. Really? You think so? Just... Regressing is important. Regressing is great. Connecting with your inner child. That's right. We're going to take one last quick break. And when we come back, we're going to go through the rest of the commandments and and talk a little bit about uh, Mary Fran's business and how she actually does make a living from what she does. At Bluebell Physical Therapy, our goal is to get you back in the game, back to work, and back to your normal way of life. Our highly respected team provides preventative and rehabilitation services from everyday physical and occupational therapy to post-operative rehab of your knees, shoulders, or spine. Bluebell Physical Therapy focuses on achieving each patient's maximum level of recovery. Bluebell Physical Therapy, the treatment you need from the therapists you trust. Do you know Saltz Matkov? Would you like a legal team with over 100 years of experience working for you to defend litigation in the areas of business and contract disputes, employment, transportation and aviation, products and premises liability, intellectual property and construction? We are Saltz Matkov and we can help. From Wall Street to Main Street, we represent Fortune 500 companies and small businesses alike, achieving successful results inside and outside of the courtroom. 
For a free consultation, contact us at 484-318-7225 or visit us on the web at saltsmatkov.com. That's S-A-L-T-Z-M-A-T-K-O-V.com. Large firm expertise for a fraction of the cost and with all of the personal attention you need. Serving Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Delaware. Call 484-318-7225 or go to saltsmatkov.com. Welcome back to Women to Watch. I'm sitting in the studio today with Mary Fran Bontempo, and we're talking all about her book, Not Ready for Granny Panties, which is a great read. I don't think just for women, but probably for our kids. I think that they should read it so that they can sympathize with what we're going through. I'm going to make my kids read that tonight. (laughs) Um, Anyway, I I did want to ask you, Mary Fran, um, a really important question, um, because a lot of times when women jump into something that maybe they've been thinking about for a while, there was an experience or a moment in their life that helped them to do that. And I'm wondering what it was for you um, that made you look at the fact that that it is okay for women who are dealing with all kinds of things, families, uh, men and women, to have fun, you know, and to lighten up and try to, um, you know, get through each day with, with some humor. And I think that I know that there was something that, that happened in your life that uh, was an aha moment for you. I wonder if you could share that with us. Well, there there are always things in life that, that you know, that, that lead you to certain places. Um, and I always loved writing, and it was always an outlet for me. Um, but a number of years ago, my son started to have some very serious issues with alcohol and uh, drug abuse, substance abuse issues. Thank God he's doing very well now. I'm very proud of him. But it was a really, really dark time and not and and for years i mean this this was a this was a really long period um in our in our lives and writing's always been an outlet for me so it was helpful to write things down at that point but what i also realized during that period um was that and you talk a lot about stories that's that's you love to get women's stories out was that i had a choice to make and we talk about choices too that either his story could become my story or I could refuse to let it become my story and make my own story. And I actually said that to him at one point during uh, one of our, one of the therapy sessions that, that we had to go to, you can choose to live your life the way you choose to live it, but it's not going to be my life. It's not going to define me. It's not going to become, I'm not going to be that, that that's not how I see myself as, as the mother of someone who, just does this her whole life, just continues on this path. And it's hard to make that decision, especially when you have a kid who's in the throes of that. But it, it again, comes back to that losing control commandment. You are not in control of this. As my son has said many times, Mom, you didn't cause it, you can't control it, and you're not going to cure it for me. I have to do that for myself. And mm-hmm. fortunately, he came to that realization, which which I will admit helped me to recognize that I had to break away because I wasn't I wasn't fixing him. Right. I wasn't. The only person that I could fix was myself. And I also recognized during that whole process that if you don't have some lightness and fun in your life, it's almost impossible to get out of bed in the morning. It makes everything hard. It it does. And it's very hard to find lightness in those dark, dark periods. 
but you have to try to do it. And even if even if lightness is watching a cat video on YouTube, I mean, even if it takes you out of that moment for a while, my husband and I during that whole period of time said we were down. People say one day at a time. We were down to 15 minutes. I mean, we weren't there was no day. It was 15 minutes at a time. But during that whole period, there was the recognition that we all need to make our choices about how we want to live. And I thought, you know what? There are a lot of women out there struggling with all sorts of different things. And we have to recognize that it's okay for us to take a stand and say, you know what? That's not how I want to live my life. Mm-hmm. I want to live my life this way with a cell, with a segment or a, a part of each day that's, that's allotted to joy right, and to fun and to lightness. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's so wonderful that you said that to your son because for a couple of reasons. I think that um, that probably empowered him more to know that mom is there supporting me, but it's not going to define her life. So that kept him from going to that enabling area yes. where he knew that you weren't going to be there enabling. You were supporting. That's exactly and I, it. And I know that you were because, you know, we'll talk about how he came out of it and what the great things that he's doing today. But just by saying to him that it won't define your life, right. I think probably pushed him even more to get his act together I and think figure it, it out. I think it did. Uh, during that same counseling session, I said to him, I will follow you to the edge of the cliff, but I won't go over with you. And I won't let you take your father and your sisters with you. Right. So you have a choice to make. You can either be on this side of it with us or you can go over it on your own. And like I said, that was really a hard thing to say. But you do come to the realization in that world that they will take you with them. So you have to say, no, I'm not going to allow that. And it does, I think, make them realize, okay, I'm really on my own now. Right. Either, either, you know, she's not going to be there to drag me back every right. time I go to the edge. Right. And it was a turning point for us. It was a real turning point. Thank God. Yes. I mean, thank God. Because yes. again, you can't control it. I don't. I didn't know what was going to happen not when I made that plan. statement. No. That's right. that- oh my gosh. I've had words in my vocabulary that I never in a million years thought would be part of my, you know, my personal verbiage, but it, it is what it is. Right. So right. again, you, you're faced with the choice. Okay. This is what it is. Now what? Now what do I do? Right. And we should mention what he's doing today because I think it's wonderful. Yes, he's working he is very actually, hard. He's working very hard. He's actually working at a treatment facility. He um, he runs runs classes. He helps people get into therapy. He helps them do their aftercare. He's the aftercare coordinator at this facility that he works at. He also teaches these people, many of whom are their lives are just real train wrecks in many ways. He teaches them how to write resumes, how to interview for jobs. He's really doing wonderful oh, things. Fantastic. And I'm, I'm very, very proud of yeah, him. Yeah, that's really wonderful. Am. And he made that choice. Again, get all due credit to him. He made the choice to change. Right. And it's hard. It is hard. It's hard. It's hard. And and, um, and there were a couple of failures there, but it yep. never comes the first time. No, you have it, to keep it. It very rarely does. It right. very, like most things in life. I mean, we you don't walk the first time you stand up when you're a baby. You no. fall over and over and over again. That's right. And the time you succeed is when you keep getting up. That's right. And and he did that. He yeah. kept getting up and he works at it every single day. Yeah. That's and, great. And it's, I'm proud of him. Yeah, yeah he's you doing should great be. things. But I think you were a big part of that he's for doing, him. Well, thank you. I, I hope so. Okay. I'm going to go back to the to the commandments, commandments because I want to make sure we hit all of them. Um, and the next one's a great one for women. Avoid mirrors. Oh, yes. Avoid mirrors. <laughs> 
How at easy, all costs. How easy is it to get obsessed? I mean, we are so barraged, and this isn't new territory here. I mean, we know that we are constantly barraged with all these images of women who are, you know, so perfect, and it's it's all photoshopped. It's all baloney. It's more I mean, imposter. It, it is. is. Is this a word imposterism? It's more it, imposterism. It should be. Let's, just let's make it up. a word. It's a word. It's our new word for the day. Imposterism. Um, but yeah, it's so. Here's my here's my thing. I mean, I. Uh, vanity, I am vain. I'm nobody's gonna. It's clear. It's, it's in my genes. My grandmother was like in her 90s and fell one time, and my mom helped her up, and she said, "How's my hair?" So it, <laughs> it's in there. So I'm not going to deny but that. It's okay to want to present okay. well. Yes, exactly. That's, that yes. part is okay. Mm-hmm. The obsessing part is not okay. That's right. Um, because you know you can pull out any cliche you want. Beauty's on the inside. Blah blah blah. But. Do the best you can. Do your speckle and paint job in the morning and then walk away. <laughs> forget about Just it. Just forget about it and walk away. <laughs> yeah. Don't obsess. It's it's not worth it. It's not right. worth your time. Yeah. But but I think it is it's it's important to say especially for raising daughters, you know, to not be consumed with appearances and everything that it is okay to want to look your best yes. and present well because then you feel better. Well, people and then do, you do judge. Better. I mean, people yeah. do judge right. on the basis of that. And and actually there's another commandment that that talks about that, the uh, thou shalt not wear elastic waist pants, that one. <laughs> we'll jump ahead to that one. Let's so, go right to that. We'll jump ahead to that that's one. the it's, next one, actually. It is the next one? Yeah, okay. Yeah, that's right, because I do say, before we completely avoid mirrors, you don't want to look like you were cleaning the bathroom when you're out on the street. You right. just, you don't want that. So certainly be presentable. I mean, I have fashion magazines at home. I'm up on all that oh, latest I love stuff. It. I, I love, love it. it. Mm-hmm. But do it, exact, but do it for that reason. Do it because it's fun mm-hmm. and, and because it makes you feel good about yourself and really you know, a pair of pants that fits you well, and you don't have to be fancy. Put on put on yoga pants and like a long sleeve t shirt, a little scarf, some cute ballet flats. Boom, go to the grocery store. You know, go do your errands or whatever. You can be comfortable um, and still look nice. That's right. So be conscious of that because it reflects how you think about yourself. That's right. The way you present yourself reflects. Uh, uh, your own self-image. Right. That's so right. at least make sure that you are presentable and you look decent and experiment with fashion and stuff. It is really fun. It is really it's fun. It's fun. It is. It, it's it's artistic. Exactly. Know, it really it's is. creative. It's yeah. another way to indulge that fun play thing that That's we right. all need to do do more of. So you can do yoga pants, but not elastic waist pants every no. day. No, see that's the exception. Yoga pants is the exception. I'm talking about those, you know, those three inch gathered elastic waist pants, the mom jeans. Oh God, no, don't do those. The young Please. girls are laughing in the yes, studio. They're hysterical because they, they know what they them. look like. <laughs> the horror, not on us. The, no, not the horror, us. the horror of those things. Don't wear them for that's heaven's exactly sake. Right. <laughs> okay, um, this is a good one. Stop shooting yourself. Stop shooting thyself. Should, should, yes. should. I should be doing. Doing this, I should be doing that. I, I should, you know, mop the floor. I should do my errands. I should write that column. I should whatever, uh, whatever's in your personal should list of the day. We kill ourselves with our should lists, There's and too we many kill ourselves with our should not lists. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't have the dessert. I shouldn't watch the seventeenth episode of Say Yes to the Dress. Well, maybe you shouldn't do that, but at least watch the first <laughs> I love one. That show. You know, oh my gosh, that's the best show. My I can watch a marathon and I watch that of all that. The time. I love that the show. Best. How do you not like People wedding behaving gowns? Badly. It's yes, so fun. It's it is. It's great. Um, but we we make these lists of should and shouldn't, and we beat ourselves up when we don't complete the list, or when we do something we think we shouldn't, which is usually self indulgent. Self-indulgence is not a bad thing. You need to feed yourself in some way or another. Um, I said there's a there's a, a woman who's a preacher. I think her name's Grace Meyer. She wrote a book called Eat the Cookie, Buy the Shoes. 
God doesn't want us to be miserable. If you want the cookie, eat the cookie. Don't eat a whole box of cookies. Right. But eat the cookie That's and right. enjoy the cookie. Yeah. Um, so take those things, take should and shouldn't out of your out of your vocabulary. Make it must and want. I must do this. I have to do this. This is a necessity. Mm-hmm. And instead of shouldn'ts, which again are usually self-indulgent, I, I want to do this. It's okay. Instead of I shouldn't eat the cookie, I want the cookie. I think, it's, I think it's hard today, though. That's probably one of the hardest because there's so much information out there about how we can exercise perfectly, eat perfectly. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, our skin care can be perfect. There's so much of that out there. It's a constant pressure. Well, if it's available to me, I better be doing it. I should it. do it. Exactly. And there is no perfection. There it isn't. There just isn't. There is. And you know what? I don't know if you saw that that woman who was the, the prancing, the exercise, prancer size or whatever. She was on TV a couple of weeks ago on the Today Show. She has this goofy video where she's literally all dressed up. She's got a little cardigan on and jeans and she's prancing like a horse. That's her version of exercise. And it's the funniest, goofiest thing. But it's not perfect, and she's moving around. She's having a good time. So that's so, her new her new exercise her new routine. Exercise, is prancing, prancer size. It's the <laughs> it's the funniest thing. It's is she so making silly. millions of dollars? I hope I'm not. Be so I really, I really hope not. <laughs> that would that would offend me. That would really it tick really me would off. bother me. Yeah. But the point is that you know, stop thinking about how you should exercise or you shouldn't do so, and just do what feels right to you. Yeah. And if you can fit it in. D- in your day do it be sensible take things into account and yes you're going to have to do certain things and not do other things like i said you can't eat the whole box of cookies but have a cookie have a cookie um okay the second to last is be conspicuous and again i i keep thinking about our catholic school years you know where where we were just really brainwashed to to um you know don't be the center of attention. No, you do know, not be stand out. Conspicuous. Sheep. sheep. We were supposed to be sheep. You know, that's big Bible imagery for Catholics. Be a sheep. You know, <laughs> like you want to look like all the other sheep. That's your goal. <laughs> you don't want to be the black sheep. You just want to be no. a little white sheep like every other sheep. The black sheep. sheep of the family was never a girl. It was it was always the brother. But the black sheep was always the most fun, interesting right. person in the family. That's right. So, you know. Be conspicuous. Be a black sheep once in a while. Yeah. Uh, do something, have an opinion, disagree with somebody that, you know, everybody thinks you should agree with. Wear something. Wear leopard print flats. You know, you can be <laughs> conspicuous in little ways, but you will be amazed at the mojo that being conspicuous gives you. And it's about feeding that confidence thing. That's right. That's and sometimes right. it can come from something as silly as what you wear, you know, a leopard print scarf or, yeah. or leopard or red high heels yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Um, and that's not a sin. It's not. It's not. And it and it pumps you up. It makes yeah. you feel good. Yeah. Um, that's great. The, the last one is about idol worship. And I think that plays into a lot of, of what we spoke about. Yes. You know, just... idol worship, meaning you were the idol. Yeah. You know, we were always looking to crown the next big thing in this culture, American Idol and the voice and the this and the that. But you are your own idol. You have to treat yourself like an idol. And that simply translates into be good to yourself. Yeah. Use all that stuff that you have squirreled away in the closet for that you're saving for good. You know, the good candles that you never light, the china that nobody nobody ever eats off of. You know, those those really cute pants or that dress or that whatever that you have hanging in the closet that looks really great on you, but you just never wear it because, you know, I I don't have any place to wear that. Put it on and go shopping, you know. Treat yourself well and remember to do that every day in little ways. Right, right. Um, We have a few minutes left, and I I just want to quickly have you mention uh, the business aspect of what you do. I mean, you wrote this book, but you are running a business and you have a brand. And 
how did that, you know, come together for you, that that part of it? What types of things do you do to keep it going as a business? Well, I started this whole thing um, as a newspaper columnist and then went into a newspaper, started to die off, created a blog. Um, so that's where the Not Ready for Granny Panties thing started from. And then the book came from that. Um, and then uh, now there are speaking engagements and there's the whole kind of motivational type of thing that's mm-hmm. going on. So it, it has developed, it has sort of taken on a life of its own, the mm-hmm. Not Ready for Granny Panties brand. And it's really about getting that message out to women in all sorts of ways, through the books, through book sales, through speaking engagements, through I'm getting a webinar together that I'm going to be putting um, putting up online and making available. So there are just all sorts of ways to kind of create this community mm-hmm. where women are recognizing that it's it's okay to have fun, it's okay to be a priority in your own life, and it's okay to, to value yourself. Because right. when you value yourself and treat yourself well, surprisingly... Everybody else around you starts to treat you well. And everyone else around you is affected in a positive way. Positive so treating way. yourself well is treating those Helps that you everybody. love well. Yeah. It helps, especially girls, especially yeah, our especially. daughters. We need to get that message out especially. to them. Um, can you give give your contact information for any of the listeners that might be looking for a wonderful speaker yes, or to get a hold yes. of your book? I am. Uh, email me, maryfranbontempo at yahoo.com. The blog is notreadyforgrannypanties.com. And I have a personal website that is maryfranbontempo.com. And all the contact information is available on there. Okay. And I'd love to share the message. Great. And I'd love you to. I'm so happy you came in today to I'm share it with us. Delighted. Thank, Thank you, you so much. It's been great. Thank you. That's it, everyone, for this week's Women to Watch here on WWDB 860 AM. Again, my name is Susan Rocco. And if you would like to get in touch with me, feel free to send an email to srocco233 at gmail. We will see you all. Have a great week.